Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slang and Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. Tell you what, it is It is weird. It is a weird time to be a Cincinnati Bearcat sports fan. You're right about that, Hum. We are now ending or concluding our second bye week because the Bearcats football team had its game canceled this week, or I should say Post, postponed, postponed. Postponed. Postponed against Tulsa. Uh, due to COVID complications. Uh, specifically, is that what we're calling it now? We're calling it COVID complications? That's what I'm calling it. It's a, right. definitely COVID complications. They're happening across the country. Foreseen complications. For, foreseen complications due to COVID. <laughs> foreseen. Very foreseen. Nick Saban was positive. Then he was negative and negative and negative again. Uh, but yeah, it was unfortunate, Hummer. We were coming off a bye week, heading into a... Pre- a Fairly anticipated matchup against Tulsa, a team that had just upset Central Florida the week before. Uh, And the game got postponed due to the Bearcats apparently having a, uh, I mean, some sort of, some sort of COVID outbreak. They're not very, they're obviously not releasing results about who's testing positive, who's not, who's available, who's not practicing. There's very little information on that front. It's certainly not a good wrinkle for the team because we don't know what the fallout will be in terms of, who's available in the coming week or weeks is the SMU game going to happen this week at SMU. Uh, Again, another ranked team point being, I guess there is no point to it. Hummer. It's weird. Uh, I'm all over the place. I'm sure everybody else is. My head is scrambling with where to even go from here. How to even talk about the Bearcats football team at this point. Well, let's, let's, let's approach the SMU topic real quick. I, I personally think the game's going to happen. If you just look at protocols, you look at everything at what you're supposed to do for COVID, it's 10 days, right? It's 10 days. This is going to have been two weeks uh, in between, you know, when this first kind of news broke of the Bearcats having some COVID positive tests to, to getting to SMU. I foresee that the SMU game will happen. Uh, I'm not at all pleased with the time of day that the game is being played. Um, and this is just me being selfish. This is me being uh, East Coaster slash Midwesterner. Uh, 9 p.m. is just a very not fun time to watch a, ba- a football game, especially when bars in Cincinnati, because I'll be in I'll be in town for that weekend, are not open. Let's dive into this though. When is your so Saturdays is college football day? Me and you are both we're not historically college football diehards. It's not a day that I sit in front of my TV and watch, you know, from 12 noon to 12 a.m. That's not something I do for college football, but I do like to make time, obviously, for the Cincinnati Bearcats. What is your ideal time for a college football game? I guess you could even throw in a Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday. What's your ideal time for a football game? All right, for college football, I, I also hate Thursday and Friday because that's where you, that's for teams that are not big big time enough to play on Saturday. Right. I uh, kind of you kind of like the time, right? Like I don't mind watching a game on a Thursday or Friday night, but it's insulting. So I don't yeah. I don't want it. I don't want it's it. Insulting. Yeah. Oh, sure. Prime time. Yay. Um, Saturdays are fine. My issue with noon kickoffs, in general, is that as I've gotten older, Saturdays have become a day of productivity. So I like to get things done 
in the morning on Saturday and then waste my afternoons away. So my ideal time for a Bearcat kickoff is 3.30 p.m. I love a solid 3.30 kickoff because I get to go, I get to get my morning errands done. I get to wrap up, you know, around one o'clock. You know, if I'm going to the game, I get to head down there. I get to tailgate for an hour or two. And then after the game's over about six o'clock, I'm hungry, 6.30, I'm hungry. I can pop on over to, you know, what used to be Papa Dino's. Not only that shut down, but, you know, I get to head to uh, Adriatico's. I get to head to Skyline down down by your place. But talk about you, Hummer, right now. Where are you? He- You're not heading to those places now. You're in Philadelphia. What, you know, at 6.30, 7 I, o'clock comes. What are you doing? What are you doing in I still get to. I still get to go to dinner. That's the whole point. The game's at 3.30. It's over by 6.30. It's time for dinner. I get to go to dinner. <laughs> I get to I get to enjoy my afternoon. But, you know, there's this thing that I want to get done because then, and call me blasphemous, call me what it is, I'm an NFL fan. I love watching the Bengals at one o'clock on Sunday. And it's the same thing. The one o'clock is, is even if they move football to one o'clock on Saturday, it would be better too, because I still get like that 8am to noon, four hours of productivity in the morning with an hour beforehand to kind of relax, take it in, get ready for football, watch, watch the football slate. Then I choose whether I want to watch the four, four o'clock slate game. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. I agree with you. I agree with you on the 3.30 p.m. Now, I'm going to say it from the perspective of a father of two, as a, 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 we have a lot of family errands to get done. And when I heard you talk about, you know, give your spiel about getting your errands done, going out to the shops, it was very old school Will Ferrell. Nice little Saturday, you know, going <laughs> to head out to Home Depot, Bed Bath & Beyond. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> this morning before the Bengals game, I changed brakes on my wife's car. Like talk about like the ultimate, I don't want to do this, but being productive. That's humble brag to me. That's a humble brag. Cause I wouldn't, I don't change anything on my own car. <laughs> flex a weird flex. Uh, I mean, that's, that is it. But then the nine o'clock, the nine o'clock kickoff for the SMU game. I feel like it's a stretch uh, on ESPN's part or whoever is hosting that game. I think it's ESPN, but I'm trying to get this to be a prime time matchup. If you would, uh, nine o'clock on a Saturday is not a prime time. That is not a prime time slot for a Saturday football game. Uh, the prime time slots are, you know, your three o'clock, your six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, but nine o'clock, you're just getting too late. Now you're, you're really committing people with kids like yourself to stay up till midnight watching football, which just isn't going to happen. You're going to lose a lot of the younger fans. It's like when baseball does that late, late, late pitch stuff for, for the playoffs. Like, why, why? Here's the, here's the good thing about the 9 p.m. kickoff for those parents. It's 8 p.m. I mean, in Texas. Well, 8 p.m. in Texas, <laughs> but the kids are in bed, my dude. Kids are in bed. Beers are cracked. Beverages are flowing. Like that. That's the time. That's the time of night that's a little easier to manage. There's no negotiation happening with the family. Look, that's a big sidetrack, Hummer. We're a tangent. Um, one thing that is a big positive development for the Bearcats is that they went into their bye week. I guess they spent their bye week ranked number eight in the country per the Associated Press. Now they find themselves after not playing this week, after having the postponed game against Tulsa, we're still at number nine in the country, which is huge. We're a top 10 team in the country right now. And I know we're not satisfied with how the Bearcats have actually played football so far this season. I think defensively, we're thrilled. We have a dominant defense. We easily have the best defense in our conference. And we'll certainly get into that here in, in a little bit. Offensively, we, we haven't been that productive. 
We've had a lot of complaints and a lot of speculation about what we should do at the quarterback position. Fire him. But, but we are Fire we're freaking him. we're freaking nine in the country, <laughs> which means that we're in the conversation for the playoff so long as we keep winning football games. Isn't that crazy? Cause like let's be honest. I'm I know that you and I, especially when we talk offline, we can be pessimist more so than optimists like basketball. I think we're always optimist. Like we're the best team in the country, the best damn team in all the land football. We always have this like air of like, you know what? We, we haven't earned it. We haven't done this. We haven't done that, but it's changed. I think we're in the conversation. We know we have a good football team. We know we have a solid squad. And at this point, I really do think we're looking at an op- a situation where we're sitting at the scorer's table waiting for the refs to call a timeout. We're waiting for the other teams to just to drop the ball and, and not to do too many puns here all at once. Um, but we're waiting. we're waiting for an Ohio State to lose a game. And I honestly think the way the season's going, that they might lose a game. We're and- not just we're not just waiting though. You know why we're not just waiting? Because we've played three games. Because we have to still win at SMU. Because we have to win at Tulsa. Because we but have to going beat to. Central Florida. We have to beat. We have to beat the teams that are on our schedule. And but we're going to. That's the thing. Like I, I feel like we are just going to. I don't. I don't. I'm. I'm starting to get a confidence that wasn't there at the beginning of the season that we can win these games. Because the even if they're dogfights, our defense is just that good, and I think our offense is serviceable, if not good. No, our offense, good. our offense has not been good enough to feel like this is just destiny at this point. We're not preordained to be an undefeated football team. We haven't gone undefeated in the American Athletic Conference over the past few seasons. I would say our offense looked better last season than it did than it does this year, and given that it's not a matter of just like, Hey, let's just keep rooting for all these teams to keep losing. They're going to other upsets are happening all across the board. And that's what makes me feel better about pulling off victories, no matter what, no matter how they look, but we're not just waiting because we have to win a lot of games still. Well, we're going to win them. I'm, I'm telling Bearcat fans to be, to just be excited because it feels like the way this season is going, the way it's unpredictable that the only thing that is predictable is that the Bearcats win. I like it. I like that you're <laughs> confident. I mean, I love it. I love to think we're going to be undefeated. I think the opportunity is there. I think we are certainly the favorite in the conference at this point. But what's been happening so far in conference play, when you watch some of these other matchups, and I certainly don't, I don't pretend to be an expert on all these teams, but I, I do look at the box scores and I get to see, you know, bits and pieces here of, of different teams matching up. What I'm seeing are high scoring games across the board. Uh, the score, the scoreboard in the American athletic conference has been insane so far. Um, you know, if you look at the Memphis and UCF matchup this week, that game finished at 50 to 49, the central Florida starting quarterback through four Gabriel through four over 600 yards in that one game, more yards in that one game than Des Ritter has thrown for, this season in three games. So there's an air raid happening across the conference, but these are also teams that don't play defense. That's just, that's, that's, I see, I hear the stat of 600 yards and I see three interceptions and 300 yards. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, honestly, the most surprising thing to me so far in conference play is that you have literally you have Memphis and UCF, two teams that were uh, supposed to finish in the top of the conference, both sitting at one one loss and one with two losses. UCF is, for all intents and purposes, out of the conversation. Right? They are done. They're gone. They're washed. Their national championship aspirations, their fake uh, you know national championship aspirations, are gone out the window. They their fan base is going to disappear into nothingness because oh no we suck again uh, which isn't good for the conference as a whole because we need as many you know good teams and in, in high quality competition uh, so it, it is kind of weird seeing that we have two who are supposed to be two of the top teams you know already taking conference losses one taking two losses uh, but the matchup next week is probably one of the biggest ones of the year which is going to be SMU and Cincinnati that, that's going to be one of the biggest matches matchups that we're, we're waiting to see uh and I'm excited about it. Like, I'm not going to harp on the time. Like it is what it is. At least we'll, you know, be the biggest game playing at 9 PM, but when's the You're last time that 9 PM slot, that that's a good slot. I have no problem with playing. It's ESPN two. We're playing nine o'clock. I'm Why are you a, down about that? Because I'm doing a, a scramble. I'm going to not be able to pay attention. Personal problems, dude. This is I know, a good time is a- slot and opportunity for the Bearcats to showcase themselves on ESPN two. It's not on ESPN plus for a change. It's all about me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, dude, Memphis, I'm going back to this. I'm talking about this one more time. Memphis and UCF was absolutely insane. Brady white threw for almost 500 yards. Those guys combined through for about 1100 yards in that one game. That's college. They're not playing when they're 11 not play- touchdowns, no interceptions in that game. It screams to me, terrible defense. It does. It, it, I'm I mean, not- I'm not scared of it. I'm certainly not scared of it. I'm just saying when you juxtapose that against what the Bearcats bring to the table, it's a very different style of play. If we lose, if we get into a shootout, yes, that could be ish. That could be trouble. The Bearcats job is to not get in the shootouts. Like that, that's, that's the reality of the situation. If we're looking at the team, the way it's constructed and the way it's playing, I shouldn't say the way it's constructed, the way it's playing, a shootout is not going to be advantageous to us. We need more of a rock fight. We need more of – we need the defensive stops. We need to hold, hold teams to punts. We need the forced turnovers. and But luckily, that's what we're good at. And it's what we, we've shown good. ourselves to be able to do that. We shut down UCF last season. Um, th- this season, the defense looks even tougher. Everybody's healthy. We got Wiggins back on the field. Gardner's got another year of, of uh, seasoning. And the sec- and when you pair him with Kobe Bryant, that's the secondary is dominating. And – I'm not scared about these, you know, air raid uh, SMU, Memphis, UCF teams playing us. I just think we're, we're going to match up well with that because we are going to make it uglier. I think you, I think our defense is going to translate game in, game out, whereas you can have an, it's hard, it's easier to maintain consistency on that side of the ball than it can be offensively, especially with the nature of COVID football, where you got guys flying in and out of the lineup here and there. So, um, we'll see, we'll see what the fallout is from the Bearcats having their first run in with COVID this season. We don't know at this point who's going to be available or not available. Uh, we can certainly surmise that Ben Bryant was impacted because he didn't even play, uh, in their last game, which I'm blanking on. Who did we play last? It's been so long. You played South Florida. So he, he was not available in the South Florida game when you would have assumed that there might've been a QB QB controversy on our hands. There was not. Um, 
Interesting times, I, dude. Interesting times. I mean, times. if you if you want to use the stats from the the UCF and the Memphis game, you should be scared about the Memphis game. You know, looking at Absolutely. their their stats, you know, compared to ours, they score more points than us per game. Uh, but at the same time, they allow more points. They they allow twice the amount of points that we do per game. You know, so our defense by that matrix is twice as twice as good. Uh, but here's, total- here's the points against. Here's, here's let me read you this though. Points against in conference. Navy's given up 76 points in three games. Uh, don't do in conference because we've only had one or two conference. You do, you got you got to do the whole the whole the whole shebang here. We've only had a most of these teams have only right, had one or two conference fair. games. That's fair. I was going to count the number of games though. So like in conference okay. play, we give up seven points. We've given up seven points, right? In conference play, SMU's played two games. They gave up 60, 61 points. Houston, in one game in conference play, thirty one points, and I think they just had BYU drop another forty plus. Memphis has given up 79 points in two conference games. UCF has given up 112 points in three conference games. It's a shocking disparity in terms of what we're bringing to the table defensively and what these other teams are doing. Um, It's just, it's interesting to me how different the style of play is. And I can't wait for the matchups. We're going to see it this coming week. Uh, Number nine, Cincinnati, number 16, SMU. Uh, I think, you know, I like our chances. I like our chances. And this is just a, this is just obviousness at this point, but it really all comes down to, like I said before, we're not going to win necessarily in a shootout, but it comes to, and we might just because of our defense in a sense if our defense steps up, but at the same time, it, it comes down to, is our defense better than your offense? You know? So like if, if I'm breaking down the numbers for the team stats from SMU, their total yards per game is about 560. We're at about 400 is what we, what we post. Uh, they get about 360 of that from from passing to get the rest of the rest of the balance of that 200 from rushing from the yards allowed perspective though they allow about 230 240 through the air we only allow 171 through the air so like that's that's not a large, especially in college football college football is is typically a game where you're getting large offensive numbers you're getting a ton of offensive yards you know, especially when you compare it to the NFL rushing yards, we allow one, I think 130, correct me if I'm wrong. And then, and then SMU is at once about 170, 160 rushing yards allowed per game. So like, we're just, we're percentage wise, a big chunk better on defense. When you look at, we actually have played a relatively tough schedule up until this point. And I say only tough because we played a, what, what I consider to be a very good Navy uh, army team. They were not bad. So it wasn't like we played three cupcakes. We played one cupcake. <laughs> and uh, But even then, we struggled against South Florida at, at times. So I, I really do think that we have a lot to look forward to, but it's just it's our defense always has to show up, and Ritter needs to limit the mistakes. He And that's, that's probably the keys to victory for a lot of games is Ritter limiting mistakes yeah, I, that up. is the concerning thing. So if, if I'm not going to be a, a glass half full person here and, and you are going to be a skeptic of the Bearcats, it's that Ritter didn't look great in the first three games and it wasn't against defensive stalwarts. You know, it's South Florida who who just gave up a lot of points to ECU. Um, it's Army. It's and, and he left. And the thing about Army is however good you think their defense is, all the throws were there. We had guys open all over the field and he, and he couldn't hit. And then you had Austin P. So I, I like to think we're going into these matchups against the best in the conference that the American has to offer. 
and the opportunities for, for big plays are going to be there. The opportunities for points are going to be there. It's can we connect on enough opportunities to give our D, you know, because our defense isn't going to shut these teams out. It's can, you know, can we score the, the 24, 28 points necessary to win these games? And we should be able to. We should. We should. But with that, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty still with within the season. You know, we're, we're, we're talking about the conference. We've talked about a little bit with with the at-large kind of college landscape with the ball being in our court. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see with the Big Ten uh, returning to play. Uh, Big Ten, their schedule only consists of of conference schedule. Uh, it's only a conference schedule, so no no non conference opponents on their schedule. The two teams ahead of us that all UC fans should be be eyeing is Ohio State and Penn State. Uh, preferably, we would like to see one of those teams lose before they play each other. Um, you know, you would like to see a Penn State lose prior to playing Ohio State, or vice versa. And then, you know, or Ohio State losing to Nebraska, which would be phenomenal. And then, and then beating Penn State. And I think that that's, that's enough to kind of get us a jump as long as we're doing what we need to do and, and close out these games. The other uncertainty factor, and this is kind of really where, where I'm getting worried, and this has nothing to do with football. It's the exact opposite. It's why we started this podcast. It has everything to do with the basketball schedule. I am getting incredibly I don't want to say incredibly, or that's not where I'm talking. I'm getting anxiety. Anxious. Yeah. You're feeling, you're feeling anxiety about the basketball season. About one, I think it's not exactly official, but uh, based off the, the blogs I've been reading, it's called blogging the bracket. They've been updating a lot, trying to live update the different tournaments that are going on uh, the preseason tournaments. And from the looks of it, Cincinnati has been, in fact, I don't want to say officially, uh, but for all intents and purposes, we have been officially bumped from the pre-NIT. We will not be a part of the field. Uh, Houston, it looks like, has taken our place. And I'm curious if that's because it's a Cincinnati, if it's our lack of commitment or our lack of saying we're ready to play. Because there's comments that, that I read from John Brandon that's kind of saying, well, we don't know the process. We don't know the selection process. You know, is it only going to be conference games that matter? Could it hurt us playing only a non-conference schedule full of, of amazing opponents? And if you lose two of those games, does that automatically put us in a hole? Is it better off just not to play games at this point and only play a conference? Like, we don't know the process. So it's like, it's it's tough to know what exactly is going on, what people are thinking when it's coming to this, this scheduling issue that is college basketball. It's interesting. We have no schedule to look at at this point. And the NIT news, the preseason NIT news was, was awful, you know, uh, uh, especially when you saw that the four teams playing are Texas tech, who was scheduled to be in that tournament all along. They added Gonzaga, they added Auburn, and then they apparently swapped us out with Houston, which is just pouring salt on the wound at that point, because not only are we not playing those teams, but our bitter conference rival, Kelvin Sampson and the Cougs, are playing now in that tournament. So that was really disappointing. Um, you know, one thing that we had to look forward to in this coming basketball season was a, a tremendous non-conference schedule. Uh, Brandon had had scheduled the likes of Georgia, Tennessee, uh, Rhode Island, Xavier, the, obviously the preseason NIT. So Texas Tech. And at the time, I think it was Texas Tech, St. John's, uh, another big school potentially too that I'm blanking on, but also Louisville. 
And we're not going to get to play that game either this year, which is probably a good thing, right? Because I don't want to play Louisville at fifth third until we've got fans in the stadium. And it sounds like Chris, Chris Mack is amenable to changing schedules, which I can't say for every other university or, or his former university. Um, I, it, it's you. It is funny. You say that though, at least about Louisville, I'm okay with playing Louisville at home without fans in the stands because, because at that point it's a neutral site. And I know they're going to do like the way, the way that Chris Mack has talked about it. They'll just play it again at fifth third the following year. They, they're not, it's not like they're afraid to play us with fans in the stands. Uh, you know, I, I want to see this game played just because it's fun to play Louisville. It's, it's a rivalry. And frankly, it's a rivalry that Xavier couldn't even handle if it was handed to them on a silver platter. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. I'm desperate to see the matchup too, but I'm, am I desperate if they're, if they're willing to push it back a season so that we can get them on our home court with a stadium that's full, a stadium that does have come with a huge home court advantage. Let's take it. I don't well, why don't wanna... we just why don't we just play on this year at a neutral site like NKU? Well, because we have a two year deal, so if we play them on a neutral site this season, then we're going back to Louisville next season. You know, like let's we're not desperate. Let's contracts. Not, let's not beg. We're uni- we're the University of Cincinnati. Contracts can be rewritten. They can be amended because Louisville has proven to be amendable. Let's just get a one year amendable. Yeah, let's let's post it back. Post the two years back put a game in this year because it looks like we all need some non-conference fodder just in general. Louisville is probably in the same boat we are. I don't, I haven't dove into their schedule too much, but I'm assuming they probably need just as much help on on upcoming scheduling, but let's let's play, you know? Well, I don't think they need help, right? Like they've got, they've got pretty big matchups to deal with in terms of playing Kentucky and others. Um, Everyone has to scale it back. They're not going to play as many games this season. I saw Kelvin Sampson say that with the preseason NIT, he's expecting to overall, I think, play 27 games total. So that gives him uh, seven non-conference games. Seven non-conference because the American Athletic, it sounds like, is planning on playing a basic round robin. Round robin, the correct term for it? Yeah, we're going to play each team twice. We're going to play a total of 20 games uh, in – then it's just going to, it's going to be kind of play out normal if you would basically and, home and away with every other team in the conference, which I actually kind of like that better than what we were doing before. Even though I know a lot of those games don't mean much to us, you know, what's, what's the benefit of playing? Sorry, ECU fans. If you're listening to this, what's the benefit of playing ECU twice in a year? Uh, you know, it's, but I like the idea of actually playing every team twice. Uh, it's a it's balanced fair, schedule. It's equitable. It's, it's balanced. And when we do have good opponents, it ensures that we're playing Memphis every year, no matter what, twice a year. It ensures that we're going to be playing SMU twice a year, every year. Like it is Houston it's just, twice, Houston, twice. Yes. Tulsa so it, was solid last season. I mean, there's there's it good gives teams. Us a chance, on, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind that. That's probably that the only. That's, games. That but that feels like. Games. Do we actually know anything about the schedule outside of what's happening in the conference? You know, I guess, so the first, the only thing we know is we are going to play Xavier this year. Yeah. Non-conference. And that was, that was a hullabaloo this week because. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, let's get into it. Cause John Brandon, he, he decided to basically, I mean, let's face it. He was just, he was ripping off Chris Mack. Let's call it what it is. It was, it was basically. No, I'm not, I'm not going to call that what it it was. No, it was doing the exact same thing. Chris Mack did with Kentucky the, the week before except John Brandon did it in his own way with Xavier. And I'm, I'm happy, like, cool, you're calling out Travis Steele and Xavier for 
not being willing to negotiate at all when, and, and basically what they're doing is taking advantage of the pandemic. Hey, we're going to come to your place this season. Sorry, it's during COVID. So you get no fans, no home court advantage. Come back to our place next year. It's going to be great, full stadium. And they weren't willing to negotiate at all. It's whack. It's soft. Um, it's what I would expect from Travis Steele. Dude's a bum. And and uh, I still think we're going to beat them. You know, like I, I'm very much, I'm much more excited about our coach, our offensive system, what our coach is about, the players we have on our team versus uh, you know, knockoff poor man's Mick Cronin, Travis Steele, you know, that, that shit, Xavier fans are, are desperate to be moving on. They're desperate to be in the tournament. They haven't been in a tournament in two years. I don't know. I, 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 I get what you're saying that it's a knockoff of what Chris Mack did. I get that. I enjoyed what he did. And, and the more I'm thinking about it, the less I actually care about what Xavier will or will not do for us. Cause at the end of the day, all it says to me is, they are afraid to play us at fifth third when we have fans in the stands. That's all I hear is that we're afraid to play you when it's an equitable situation. Um, they're taking advantage of this and making it be a, you know, uh, essentially a neutral site that happens to be at fifth third arena. Right. Uh, I'm not going to get into the contracting or whatever the heck that is. I think Brendel did a great job on Twitter of, of handling all that situation for us. Uh, what I did like about though with Brandon, what he did, I love that Brandon made the the crosstown shootout personal. He took the opportunity to explain the relationship he has to the game. He also did it in a way where he pointed out games that we won in big years. He also did it in a way where he pulled out that he was pissed off that we lost it in a big year. He made it personal and he made it like he cares about it where I feel like we dealt with the past, you know, the, the years under Cronin where the game was just like, it's not a big deal. It's just a crosstown shootout, move on where it is a big deal for us. And I know Sam Elliott has a very good, good, uh, you know, poem letter that he's written about why the crosstown shootout really doesn't matter because in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't, but it's a big game for the city and it's fun to win it. And it's fun to care about it. And when you see the coach getting behind it, it's fun. It's actually fun for once seeing John Brannon getting pissed off about the, about the shootout and making it once again, making it personal again, make the tournament per, or make the game personal again. Okay. That's a, that's a good perspective because what I was going to say was what the video felt like. And I was I'm kind of just joking tongue in cheek about knocking off Chris back. We know they're friends. I'm glad to see the social media engagement. We're desperate to see something from the Bearcat basketball team at this point. Um, what it felt like though, what it was basically him saying was we didn't want to have a home game against Xavier this year because we can't have fans this season. And here's the offers we made to them. We're trying to negotiate, trying to change. So, you know what, we're just going to play it at home, which was basically what was going to happen no matter what. Um, so I had mixed feelings about that. What you're saying though is interesting because you're right. Mick Cronin overall shied away from this rivalry. He did not want to get invested in, in, in a pissing match with Xavier uh, for whatever reason. Um, I think we all know the relationship is that Xavier needs this game more than we need this game against Xavier, but it's a game that should continue to happen indefinitely. We should always play this game. There are two, there two, there's one great you know, basketball program in the city of Cincinnati. And then you have a really good one uh, across or a, a good one across town. And, 
an okay one. You know, one that's never won a national championship and one that's never been to a final four. It's okay. Right. It's, like a, res- it it's, a, it's a respectable basketball program across town. Um, it, it, uh, you know, at times. Right. And, but it, it still, ma- it, so it makes sense for those two teams to play each other. It's good for the city. It's trash talk. It's, it's, you know, water cooler fodder when people shared water coolers, when people went to the office, um, that's a thing that used to happen. And uh, that was, you know, something they could talk about during those times. It, it, it means something that John Brandon is willing to go out there and do this because now you have to back it up on the court. And I, this is what I appreciate about what you're saying is John Brandon is, is kind of throwing the gauntlet down to say, hey, Travis Steele, I'm calling you out. This is bullshit that you guys aren't willing to negotiate with us. Um, given the circumstances, don't pull that contract talk out when I know there's been a ton of back and forth about there is no contract. There's some sort of memorandum of agreement whatever the hell it's called yeah whatever it's called i i'm going to ignore it i'm not going to get into all that but it's it's whack when your coach comes out and is like wow there's a contract and we're going to play the game uh, because that's what the contract says we know in covid times contracts have to be altered and amended and people are adjusting on the fly because things aren't normal and he wasn't willing to do it i'm glad you know to an extent i'm glad it was called out the way he did it was kind of weird i guess but um what if the shoe were on the other foot if the shoe were on the other foot in the game with that Xavier this year, would they have been asking us the same question? Hey, can we play the game at Northern Kentucky arena, split the TV revenue. And then next year we'll, we'll, we'll come back to having it at, at CentOS center. Because at the end of the day, there's a lot of money being lost by this game, not being by UC, by not playing in a fifth third, they're not getting the ticket sales. They're not getting this. They're not getting that. Also, you're not, like, for, you're not doing the duty to the city because you're not getting that home court advantage. You're essentially playing a neutral site game at Fifth Third Arena. It's it's now a neutral site. And that's all they're trying to say is if it's a neutral site game, let's move it to be a real neutral site game. And let's just pick up the series where we left off at Cincinnati next year. It's not hard. It's super simple. Or I don't even care if they flipped it and went to like whatever, like play this game on a neutral site, whatever. Play us twice in a year. That would be so much fun to play us twice in a year. You know, I don't think anybody's floated this idea, Hummer. I'm going to put it on since he's slanging now. Um, I think there's there's one option that John Brandon hasn't explored yet, and that's to have uh, his players or, or somehow have someone start a brawl. You know, just start a physical altercation. <laughs> we get into a brawl. We can't afford to play this game on anyone's home court at this point. We need to move it to U.S. Bank Arena or whatever it's called now. Uh, Heritage Arena? Is it Heritage? Is that the NKU? Yeah, so let's the use North. the 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 brawl method of getting out of our home court to this year to move it to a neutral site. Um, I kid it's, it is, it is weird when you say it like you just did, which is why don't we move it to a neutral court and push the series, like just whoop, move it yep. back one year, pick it up where we left off because of the obvious uh, it would have made too much sense. I'm glad that uh, Travis Pence, is it Travis? I don't know his middle name, but it's Travis. Travis. Travis I was calling him Pence because it's just who he reminded me of during that. Travis day. Rigid Steel. He's not very malleable. Is it? I'm, <laughs> I'm self-conscious that I'm getting his first name wrong. It is. It's Travis Andrew Steele. He is an American college basketball coach, current head coach of the Xavier Musketeers. Anyway. I mean, at the end of the day, here's- We here's probably what, talked about it too much. Yeah, here's what doesn't matter. You ready? It doesn't matter where we play this game. Since I'm not afraid to play, and John Brandon said that as much, we're not afraid to play this game. In fact, I, like I mentioned before, Brandon made it personal. To this, to Brandon, 
this game is not just another game. This is the game that determines who is the best team in Cincinnati. Because we have one team that has multiple championships and multiple Final Four appearances, and we have another team that has jack shit. And so when it comes to this game, Cincinnati needs to assert its dominance, and I love seeing a coach take up the mantle and actually care about it. Because like as much as Hugs may have dropped the ball during those games, he also cared, and he made he helped make the game a rivalry again. Yeah, your coach, you want your coach to care about the game. We want to go over there or have them come here. We want to kick their ass every single year. Uh, I would argue. And I think this is a top 10 agree. rivalry in the country between any sport, all sports. Yeah. yeah. Top 10 in the- Mick Cronin, he just, he was bashful about really committing to caring about the rivalry. I don't know if it was just hedging his bets. He didn't have a good record against Xavier. Um, but moving on, um, I'm looking forward to the game. That's the only non-conference game we're actually sure we are having this season, which is crazy to think. We're a few weeks away from potentially starting the basketball season. What, five weeks away, maybe? Five weeks, assuming that we play. And what's weird, too, is, you know, everybody's kind of saying that, like, and I get where they're coming from, that this is supposed to be a transition year for the Cats. Um, oh, it doesn't feel like it. I, the right? more I think about it, this is this is a good team. We're so deep. We have so much interesting talent on the team. Uh, there was a video that the Bearcats Twitter account posted the other day that was showing some highlights from practice, and you just get to see these new faces. You're seeing the the Mike the chemistry, David DeJulius, Tari, Rapalus. The talent is, I mean, it's it's just a, it's such a deep team, and it's a team with a lot of interesting skill sets, a lot of offensive firepower. I think that they should be making some noise this season. And I suspect that, uh, that we will, you know, John Brandon, what he will say is that the, they aren't getting enough time on the court and it's because of COVID and there's not going to be enough time to necessarily implement the system for all the new faces we have. It's, it's similar to what he said last season. And I think he's, he's not wrong. I mean, there is a lot of disruption in the season, but I think there is, hopefully there's enough time for him to get, to get some sort of cohesion because I'm, this team looks good to me and I'm really hopeful about the the prospects. Yeah. I mean, Justin Williams puts it perfect in his piece regarding Brandon kind of talking about these challenges that it's tough to do this under normal circumstances. We have seven new players, but we also have a fan base where we expect the NCAA tournament. Yes. Like that is our expectation falling short of that. Anything short of that is a non-successful season. Uh, so like last year we were borderline. We say we made the tournament. I almost don't want to give it to us because I feel like it was a cop out. We had to win the, the American athletic tournament to get in uh, by the, or by the tournament being canceled, I guess you could say we got in. Um, so like, I'm not going to say we didn't get in. I'm not going to say, I'm going to take the agnostic approach and it's like nothing happened because nothing did happen. So our record still stands at what it was. This is the year that it gets either extended or shattered uh, and that's fine with me i'm fine with taking that and i'm fine with giving brandon more more leeway uh in terms of these these overarching expectations that we we have as a fan base but the thing is he has a really deep team and the freshmen that we have like if anything i'm calling us a dark horse we should be on someone's list of dark horse teams to make the ncaa tournament I, I don't even want I'm not going to say fi- I'm not going to I'm not going to say final four. I'm not going to say elite eight. I'm not going to say sweet 16. I'm not even going to say for I'm talking about us getting into the tournament 
And I know they don't really. Put yeah, out but I'm not. I'm not lowering the bar to that point of being a dark horse to make the tournament. Make the tournament like that's this team's good enough to make the tournament. I'm just saying, with all the obstacles in front of us, no one's picking us. We're not on anybody's radar. Right. We're, I think got, I, I, I think saw like person, Andy Andy Katz for his first bracket showed us in, and I know, like the you know like four, right? John Rot John Rot your boy John Rothstein uh, Pillow Talk is projecting us at like number five in the conference, which is which is absurd. I thought he moved us to number six. I thought we talked about this as is soon it as six. I don't know. Did Julius got his waiver and I thought he moved us down. Yeah. <laughs> that I mean, guy hates us. <laughs> Mick. <laughs> Mick, come back. How are you guys looking to practice this year? All all I'm saying is when it comes to I'm just gonna say it again. We are not looked at as a team that's a shoe in for the tournament. We're, we're looked at as a middle of the road, and I guess in this sense, or a, a bottom of the elite of our conference. So we're by no means, any way, shape, or form, a lock or being looked at as a lock for the tournament. So if we make it by the pundits and everybody out there view, we were a team, a dark horse that, 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 that came out and showed that we deserved to be there. But it was no by means a, a birthright for us. It's not where like Memphis right now is probably sitting at the expectation of, we know Memphis is probably going to make the tournament. They're going to make the tournament. They're going to have a good squad. Then it's just preordained for them. Us, it's not that it, way. They, I mean, they have probably more roster turnover. They lost. They obviously had Wiseman last season who barely played. Uh, Achua is gone. The conference reigning conference player of the year is gone. But you talk about it all the time. They have right now. They have the the brand recognition. They have the Penny Hardaway and his recruiting prowess. Yeah, they but have, they don't they have, have the his... same recruiting class this year. And and I think the cream of the crop in the conference is Houston. I think they have the right to be listed as the favorite this season, given who they have coming back. They were deep last season. They are losing Nate Hinton, Hinton who is definitely one of my sleepers in the NBA draft this season. I expect him to get drafted late in the first and likely with a contender and he will end up playing a big role for someone because of how good he is as, as a rebounder, how, how perfectly built he is as like a modern day, um, you know, it's going to be the new PJ Tucker. That's, that's who Nate Hinton will be, but Houston, Houston should be the favorite after that. Why, why wouldn't we be next in line? And, and what I, what do I want to, I want to encourage you to not fall for is John Brandon, when he does talk about these things and he does, you know, he, he kind of emphasizes how little practice time there is, how difficult it is to implement a system, how many new faces there are. It's to his advantage to kind of set the expectations a little lower, right? A coach, he doesn't want to overestimate where we're going to be. He's not going to come out and say, this team's going to be amazing. I see us as finishing top two in the conference. No, because then if you don't meet those expectations, he has now disappointed the fan base. If he lowers the expectations, it's a there's a lot of turnover. We don't have enough time to implement the system. I'm not sure. You know, we lost Cumberland. We lost Trey Scott. There, he's lowering the bar because then he can overachieve. It's easier to overachieve. I look at it. And I'm just like John Brandon. There's a lot of talent on this team. You did a hell of a job recruiting. You brought in Rapolis, whose offensive skill set is vast. It's expansive. It is the Pacific Ocean. Um, you brought in David DeJulius, who is probably top three transfers on the market this season. Uh, you have a returning player in Keith Williams, who was ready to thrive in your offensive system. We saw last season when he was the alpha in that South Florida game at the end of the season, and you operate with shooters around him, he's going to dominate. 
And, you know, you also fill in then with the depth of, uh, uh, of Chris Vogt, Mamadou, uh, you just, uh, Micah Adams Woods. And then obviously the freshman I'm not even mentioning right now, it's Zach Harvey. Like this team, there's tons of talent to make something really good this season. It has, it has to make, it has the ingredients. It has them there. It's, it's, have we been able to, to, to do the right prepping? Have we been able to, you know, uh, combine them in the right, in the right order or the, the right combination. That's and that his is job. his job. And I think Brandon is good at that. If not, sometimes a little slow at getting to the right combination. Uh, there's several times last year where we were, you know, pointing out that Chris vote should have had his minutes decreased there where we should have seen more Trey Scott at the five, the game you're talking about South Florida, I think was the first time he pulled Chris vote out of the game. Uh, you know, he pulled him out. Stretch, had, right. During the final 10 minutes, it was basically Mamadou's show at the center and it was not, he's not playing. And, and, he's not a classic center, but what he's doing is he's playing that big man role. He's doing the defensive rebounding you need, but on offense, he's spreading the court. You don't need a high usage rate. He doesn't need the ball allowed, to be effective on offense. But when they're down there, and like, like, I don't want to talk. I don't like just ragging on on college players because Chris Vote has some things he needs to work on, and he can be very, very good. But he got figured out pretty early in the season. He his game got figured out that you basically need him. You need to put. You need to get Chris Ball to put the ball on the floor, and then it's it's game over for him. He basically has to get the ball, turn and dunk it, uh, or turn and shoot it. That that was his kind of like his men to be big get the ball once you make him make decisions he would turn the ball over he would he would you know pass into in the contested uh, passing lanes that's okay mamadou and chris or uh, trey scott in this case rapalis offer i think a, a more unique versatility in terms of athleticism um the ability to put the ball on the floor to 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 spread get in court just spread be, the court being a guy who's standing on the perimeter pulling his defender out of the paint opening and, up the paint so that guys like Micah, Keith, DeJulius, Harvey, give them openings to slash, get to the rim, and if you are bringing help, they're kicking out to open shooters. That's the recipe. Now, I'm get, a, I don't, oh, so good. It's going to be so good. I know. And this is our passion. So what I'll say, about, what I'll say is this. We're going to start our official basketball season preview next week. We're going to start diving into things like the returning players one by one. Uh, kind of analyzing what they did last season, what we expect of them this season, how we'd like to see them used this season. We'll start next week. We promise you to do our, our returning players, and then we'll start diving into freshmen, you know, new players, transfers, and, and whatnot. Um, it'll be fun. We got a lot of ideas this season. I'm, I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to hit the ground running. Really excited to have basketball back in my life. I feel really confident the season's actually going to happen. And um, it's got me excited, Hummer. It's got me excited. And if there's anything you guys out there want to hear us talk about or talk of, you know, dive into something or dive into a certain topic or, or have any ideas for a new way to cover something, let us know. You know, we're, we're always open to suggestions. Uh, there, there's some topics that we, we've been looking to cover and, you know, it's, it's, it's just been a weird year. Um, just to give you a little preview. I'm a big Nancy Zimfer fan. <laughs> <laughs> Very controversial statement to say here in Bearcat land, um, but there's a reason why. And it's because, you know, we've been looking at, at ways to, to cover some of these topics and, you know, we do have something eventually planned for, for how we want to talk to you guys about Nancy's in from the whole Bobby, Bobby Huggins leg legacy. Cause I think there's, there's, there's pluses and minus for both. 
But at the same time, if there's anything you guys want to hear us do, let us know. Hit us up. Twitter, Facebook. Are we on Facebook? We're not on No, Facebook. just Twitter. Just Twitter. Facebook. Facebook's, and I'll say Facebook's this. evil. Facebook's evil. This. Watch the social you dilemma. Watched, yeah, I was going to say, you watch the social dilemma, right? Yeah, just, just Twitter. Guys, just Twitter. My you dilemma know. is, is does the Cincy Slang and Bearcat podcast Twitter account continue? Yes. It's eroding my brain. Uh, the Twitter account's fine. We didn't talk about Greg Marshall. Ooh. Is there much to talk about except that the guy's a lunatic? I mean, we could beat him up. Although it seems like... Wait, that too soon? He, he's, <laughs> he's doubling down on just denying it when there's multiple accusations and, I'm, you know, the whole thing is odd. Hey, he's, photos, he's, photos or it didn't happen. He's got the face of a guy who would definitely choke a player, right? Like, he's got that look. I mean, he went total Bobby Knight on some players. Somehow Bobby Knight gets fired for it. Somehow Greg Marshall, because Wichita State was nobody before him, gets to just get away scot-free. Yeah, and it really wasn't that it was nobody before Greg Marshall. It was nobody before Charles Koch decided to throw a bunch of money into the program because he really wanted to have a good basketball program in Wichita. Um, that's the driving force behind Wichita State, and we know we know how the Cokes roll or the Coke rolls. Cause I think uh, one of them passed away in the last year. Anyway, um, I, we don't no, need no. to get into it. All, too much. I heard, all I know is Wichita loves Cincinnati. They love it when they come here. They love partying here. It's, it's always, it's always a, a blast for, for the visitors uh, of uh, Wichita state when they come to Cincinnati, they just, you know, they can, they can't win in the home gym to meet the locals, intermingle, the locals. intermingle with the locals. You know, but, we're, we're friendly folk. We'll, yeah. make you, we'll make you feel welcome. Exactly. Whatever that means. <laughs> All right, hum, let's leave it there. That was kind of a very odd ending to the podcast. Um, but Hey, it's been a weird week. So we'll just, we'll just let it rock and roll. Apologies for the congestion. Everyone allergies have killed me this week. Hopefully they clear up for next week. Try and track down an SMU blog. I don't know if those exist to see if we can get an SMU expert on the line this week to talk about uh, the football matchup this coming week. Cause I, I do like to kind of pick the brains of those people. Hummer, you're making a face. I can tell you don't want to do it. It's not, that I don't want to, it's not that I don't want to do it. And honestly, I'm thinking about it from a time perspective. Uh, I got school starting this week, man. Eh, well, I'll jump on there by myself then. Yeah, we'll one. figure it out. All right. I'm also just thinking, you know, this podcast, I don't know if we've done it yet, but I don't even care if we repeat our dedications. This one goes out to Mr. Jaron Cumberland. <laughs> this one's for you. Appreciate all you've done. I appreciate you pounding that rock straight into the hole. You keep doing what you do. 